From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani? Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hebrews 4, 15 says that we do not have a great high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Many of us cling to this verse in times of trial. No matter what's going on in my life, my Jesus understands. Hebrews 4 brings us a type of mythic certainty that gives order and security to our lives. It'll be all right. I can get through this. My God is with me. Perhaps other similar vo vo verses come to your mind. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. A few verses later, 31.8, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Joshua 1.5, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Kings 8.57 May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us nor forsake us. 1 Chronicles 28.20 David also said to Solomon his son, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will never fail you or forsake you until the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Psalm 37, 28, For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. Psalm 94, 14, For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Isaiah 41, 17, The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Isaiah 42, 16, I will lead the blind by ways that they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light 
before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you. Never will I forsake you. Pieces of scripture like these have been foundational in our Christian lives. The basis of the story which gives us hope. It's given order to our lives and has drawn us into a life of faith. We have been raised by verses like these on certainty and comfort. But what about when we experience forsakenness? What about terrorist attacks in Paris and Brussels and Bamako? What about Christians gunned down in San Bernardino and on the Ivory Coast? What about the persecution in China and the genocide of the church in the Middle East? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe, maybe you see the world as described by Numbers 14, filled, filled with the glory of God. Or perhaps you don't have that kind of faith anymore. Maybe you never did. Perhaps you relate better to the book of Ecclesiastes, which opens with the line, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Maybe the faith that once ordered your life is weak. Maybe it's crumbling. Maybe it seems dead today. Maybe it died in Brussels or San Bernardino or in New Zealand. Maybe it died on a desert battlefield, fighting a war it didn't understand. Maybe it was more mundane. Maybe it died in a job interview that didn't go the way you wanted, or in a hospital bed, or in a lecture hall. Or maybe it died during a sermon when the words of God just didn't line up with the world you live in anymore. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? So perhaps you sit in the service tonight and you feel everything. The words, the music, the presence of God over all of it. Maybe it connects with your soul and you just get it. The beauty, the divinity, the passion, the love. Or maybe you sit in here tonight and you don't feel anything. Maybe you're not even sure why you're here, wasting your evening. Friday night. With all the pain and suffering in the world, in our lives, what are we even doing here? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Into the madness of our world comes a voice from the 20th century, the bloodiest century in recorded history. We got better at killing people than we'd ever been before. The century that gave us global conflict perfected chemical weapons, industrialized genocide, and deployed the first nuclear weapons. The voice is that of Christian pastor Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He's calling out from a Nazi prison cell. He's soon to be hung. He says, Only a suffering God can help us. My God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me? We must desanitize these words from the cross. They've become too clean, too neat, too safe, too easy to pass by. We must sit in the terror of this moment. Jesus is experiencing forsakenness. Jesus is experiencing no God. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. This is not some safe armchair atheism. This is not an intellectual decision that he's made. It's not based on facts or science or books or evidence. This is not an angry, aggressive philosophy like that of the new atheist movement. What we see here on the cross is Jesus experiencing deep existential crisis. Christ, that word means anointed, is completely broken. Having lost everything, Jesus experiences the very loss of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus has the experience of no God. On the cross, all the cords that hold our certainty together are broken. The myths that order our lives fall to pieces and are laid in the tomb with the broken body of Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Perhaps you sit in this service tonight and you feel everything. The words, the music, the presence of God over all of it. Maybe it connects with your soul and you just get it. The beauty, the divinity, the passion, the love. For those of you for whom God is closer than your very skin, you have a great high priest. Or maybe you sit in this service tonight and you don't feel anything. Maybe you're not even sure why you're here. You are not alone. I promise you this. You too have a great high priest in the person of Jesus Christ who has taken into himself every aspect of being human, every last one, even this one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you task is ended. Go in pieces. Our faith has been rear-ended, certainty amended, but maybe now something could be mended that we didn't know was torn. Go forth into the world as best you can with compassion and justice. Give strength to the weak. Give voice to the silent. See one another. Hear one another. The task is ended. It is finished. Go in pieces.